Like retribution, I'm here to destroy the show from within by becoming its champion. And as the kids on the internet would say, he's got the cake. I wish you wouldn't have said that, Chuck. (laughs) (laughs) This is the saddest episode of the show ever. (laughs) Neither of you know what is going on. Erica, we need you. If you're listening. Um, After that finger point of doom of a round, we have Nate with six points and Sean and Justin with one. I guess thank God for Hubert. Thanks for adding pressure. Um, I took away the pressure, you asshole. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Craig. Ladies and gentlemen, happy holidays and welcome to this week's One Fall Show. show Hey, everybody. Well, hello, Shawnee. How are you? (laughs) Uh, Good, Chuck. How is it going today? (laughs) I'm all right. I was just uh, getting into the intro here. Yeah, we are doing a casual episode today, so you do not have to do the intro, sir. Oh, excellent! All right, it's yeah, that's a cool. holiday week. No one really wanted to uh, to work, which uh, I can respect. Uh, but then when we decided we we're just going to do a casual sit down rap show here, um, everyone decided to join. So it's I think this is fun. We're going to do an episode without the game, without the kayfabe. Yes, uh, without the kayfabe, and let's just hang out and talk a little bit. What do you think? Yeah, that sounds wait, like a fantastic Wait, kayfabe's idea. a thing? I mean, you the thinking is optional. Okay. All right, <laughs> as long as that's the case. I just want to make sure. That is our new motto. The one fall show, the thinking is optional. <laughs> it's optional. Look forward to that <laughs> on Patreon soon. Uh, as you can tell, uh, I'm, I'm Chuck Bean, typically the host of the One Fall Show. Let's go around the room and introduce everybody by voice. You've just heard Shawnee Constance's voice. Uh, also, Justin, Mr. Justin Valentine joining us. Say hi, Justin. Hello. I just want to say real quick, after talking about Friends and Monkeys last week, I did watch a couple of those episodes, and I want a monkey for a pet. That is my lifelong goal. FYI. I don't I don't know what Justin with a pet monkey is, would even look like. <laughs> I want to find out. It sounds dangerous. The problem is, is that when monkeys hit a certain age, uh, adolescence, and the testosterone starts to flow, they fight prison style they go for the soft spots they eat your nose they eat your genitals nobody needs that nobody oh yeah monkeys ripping faces that's a thing uh also uh the voice you just heard is of course uh mr nate bender what's going on hi i'm very tired okay we uh we'll try not to keep you too long so you can get some napping in and of course we are joined by miss erica bennis as always Okay, a little bit more on this whole monkey as a pet thing. So you, you you still want a monkey as a pet, even though Marcel started humping everything and Ross had to get rid of him. You're like, no, 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 no. Still want the monkey. Not even though. That's why he <laughs> wants the monkey. I mean, no, it's not even just that's why. It's I, I, There's a solution to that. You give him a, a hump toy. This is what you hump when you feel the need. And then that, we're, we're good. We're golden. You're going to make a wonderful husband one day. I think we have a, a, an entire sitcom here of Justin trying to <laughs> rationalize with a primate. Well, and part of that sitcom would be having to uh, convince my girlfriend, Mia, she is on the opposite end of this argument. Oh, she doesn't want the monkey. No, she doesn't, unfortunately. Well, hold on. Really, your beautiful, lovely super nice girlfriend doesn't want a pet monkey that's it, crazy she'll she'll come around we'll get her going <laughs> yeah okay 
All right. Well, what we're here for, what we do on the One Fall Show typically, is we talk about wrestling the week that was, anything that's uh, going on there. As uh, Shawnee said, we're not doing the game show this week, but we did want to uh, talk about what's going on in wrestling because uh, as of last week's episode, we were just about an hour and some change away from WWE Survivor Series. I know that all of us uh, watched it, whether we liked it or not, because our uh, our group chat was very active during the show. Uh, you guys just want to give some uh, some thoughts on Survivor Series? It might have been the most disappointing pay-per-view I think I've ever watched. It felt like a glorified house show. And there's been bad pay-per-views recently and in the past, but the difference was they attempted something that just didn't work. There was an attempt at a surprise, at a plot twist, at some type of advance in storytelling that just was stupid or just didn't work or whatever it may be. There wasn't even that at Survivor Series. There were some good matches. You know, Sasha and Asuka put out a good match. New Day and the Prophets had a good match. But no moments, no storytelling, no returns, no debuts, no nothing. Their moment was Undertaker. You hold it for the last thing of the show, which is building everyone up for something's got to happen. Even if he doesn't want to match at WrestleMania, fine. Give us a moment with The Fiend or somebody where it's just a moment, a segment. It's not leading to a match at WrestleMania. It's just a moment. Do something. Instead, we get everybody comes out just to leave, all the legends for some reason. You get Vince Van out there for a lovely speech. And then Undertaker gives us 30 seconds of mic time and 10 and a half minutes of walking up and down the ramp. And that's it. It was, it, it's horrible. For whoa, a whoa, whoa. No, no, not that's it. Not that's it. You also got 30% off of undertaker merchandise at the WWE yeah. shop.com. You know Forget it. Survivor series was a hit. I forgot about that. That's great. I will say the Paul bear tribute was okay. Didn't hate it at all. Of course, but it, it, the whole pay-per-view was so disappointing not even it didn't even feel like they attempted at anything for a top four pay-per-view it was horrible don't just brush by the hologram paul bearer that we got there <laughs> after weeks and weeks of shawnee talking about hologram undertaker matches. yeah i was gonna let shawnee run with that because he's you know his prediction half came true i think erica riffed on that idea and actually stated that the uh the potential of a a Paul Bear Undertaker was a thing. Why don't you run with this, Erica? Uh, yeah, the when the Paul Bear hologram happened, I think I scream laughed, and I probably my neighbor was probably thinking like, "What the fuck is happening over there?" Um, <laughs> I mean, I I said it as a as a joke. I I'm like, they're not going to do. So, yeah, I mean, look, we've all said things on this show as just you know as a moment of taking the piss, but like very few of them have actually happened. That act that happened, and I, it just it I it did I was not it did not hit me the same way that it hit hit justin um i i just thought it was stupid and weird and i mean the whole segment was stupid and weird um i i don't know it it just the whole the whole show as a it uh, it was bad it was bad i have no other way to say it but it was just fucking bad and i watched it and I just like, well, there's there's a bunch of time I'm never going to get back. And they're not selling me on yeah. on tuning in week after week. I'm sorry. They're, they Do better. 
please. And did also you feel a bit like Nostradamus. I mean, sure. A little bit. I mean, look, it is always nice to be like, ha, I'm right. Who doesn't love being right? Um, also, like, I, Vince McMahon doesn't come out often to talk and whatnot. Uh, that's not his kind of his bag anymore. But every time he's come out lately, like, he's getting older. And I'm getting a little concerned. And yeah. I don't know if anyone else feels that way. But I'm just like, holy shit, he's old. Yeah. I don't feel concerned because well, he's the fright, a monster. The fright makeup doesn't help <laughs> because he may have covered up uh, a, a murder. Uh, yeah, yeah, he, he is for a monster. Sure covered up a murder. <laughs> At least one that we know of. Let's be honest. Uh, I'm sure it's going to be front and center in that documentary that's coming out. Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get a lot of the dirt on Vince McMahon in that documentary that is made in conjunction with WWE Studios. The awesome thing, though, is that the bootlegs will ride the wave and we will get some really cool, um, you know, uh, Dark Side of the Ring style documentaries as a result of this, because it's going to sell. It's going to be carny as fuck to uh, to release that information. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. The shoot interviews are going to skyrocket, aren't they? Yes. I want a rise and fall of the Ultimate Warrior style production on Vince McMahon. Like, look, we've, I feel like we've all seen the ultimate warrior hit job and like, oh, some of it was true. Uh, a lot of it was true. Uh, but like, that's like, cause come on, we know he's done some shit. I mean, sure. We right. have heard nice things about Vince McMahon. Like what was, I feel like it was like Mr. Fuji was hard up on for some money and he wasn't feeling well. And he just sent somebody probably like fucking Arn or whoever like was one of the security people backstage at the time uh, just sent like a bag of money, like just put money in a duffel bag and they're like, take it to Fuji bag of money. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. Okay. He does do nice things, but there is some shady shit he's done. Dan Housen also a big fan of the bag of money. Yeah, yeah. it's true. Nate, did you have some, uh, some thoughts on survivor series? I'm sure you have at least one or two. I was fucking horrible. Out of a year of bad pay-per-views, this was probably the worst, mostly because nothing was set up, nothing, there was, there was nothing to execute. You had to actually put storylines that I have passing interest in on hold to be able to do this fucking thing. You know, in terms of matches, I, I, you know, the, even the, even the Roman drew match was just like, eh. Since there's no stakes, it was just, it. I didn't care. I didn't care about any of it. Maybe the best performance that I saw of the night was the New Day and the Street Profits, because those, those two teams work very well together. Uh, otherwise, uh, you know, yeah, this was just basically sitting out until the Taker tribute. And even the Taker tribute, you know, it was like, okay, why, why are you making... Uh, the Godwins come to the ring in fucking overalls. I can guarantee you that's not what they showed up to the building in. Why is Kane the only one in ring gear? <laughs> that was never explained, but was probably the most hilarious the thing. Because like once he got to the ring, I can't remember who it was. I think it was Shane. Like was like like you could see him come up to Kane and say something. And in my head, it was like. 
oh, you, dude, why are you the only one in jocks? Like you, you, you needed to wear a suit. It was like Kane didn't get the <laughs> fucking memo. And and the only thing that I can think of is that's the mayor of a city <laughs> showing up. He's the only one that maybe has an excuse to show up in a suit. And he shows up in full f- with the fucking mask and everything. <laughs> it was absolutely preposterous. And then you get the taker ceremony. And I get it. It's 30 years since his debut. And and that's that's kind of a nice bow to put on it. But does any of us for half of a second think that the minute people come back into the building that they're not going to try to pull this off again? Because the only thing that I could that I could think of that I could concentrate on was the the fake thank you taker chance and how hollow the whole thing must have felt for taker himself. Like it had to have felt very, very hollow. Even if you can hear the chants in the fucking building, you know that the people are not actually chanting that. That was more disappointing than than anything else um, was that, you know, this should have been done in front of fans like, you know, do a nice tribute package on the on the 30 whatever. But like this needed to be done in front of fans. And it's it's disappointing that it wasn't Uh, not only should have been done in front of fans. uh, It should have been done years ago following the WrestleMania where Roman defeated him because none of, I don't, I can't speak for anybody, but following that match, I don't think anyone had any sort of clue that the end was sort of near. And then at like, look, I know he was never quite satisfied with that match and his performance and, 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 and whatnot. But when he started to take off his gear and he left all of his stuff in the ring, Yep. I immediately forgot about the match and remembered that moment. The the yeah, right. idea of the of the dead man leaving it in the ring, and that would have been the perfect moment. It should have ended there. It should yeah. have ended there, even though the match yeah. wasn't up to snuff. According to Taker, once again, completely forgot about it. Once like you saw him like strip down all like his boots, his hat, the whole shebang. I'm just like, oh shit, it's happening. Oh my god. The way you're describing it, if somebody has no idea what the thing you're talking about, you're making it sound like he left the ring completely naked. <laughs> and that's what happened. Just falls out. Uh, just bare-ass the it. ending the WrestleMania ever. Uh, now I wish that would have happened. Are you right? kidding me? It would have been great. What a way to go out. Well, And again, this should have been done in front of fans, which is more reason... If you were going to do something at this Survivor Series, let it be a moment with somebody so you can build up because they're hoping to have some type of audience come springtime for WrestleMania. Whether or not that's realistic, we'll see, but they're hoping. So, okay, build something for WrestleMania because come the new year when, you know, whenever crowds do return, and if it is for WrestleMania and Taker's back and building a match for WrestleMania, that makes this Survivor Series that much worse because whatever you're building for that at that time, you could have started to end Survivor Series to give us yeah. something to like Survivor Series about, but we had nothing. It was a glorified house show. I will say that um, I, I'm not going to, you know, try and convince anybody that it was a good pay per view. It was subpar, um, but I there were moments in there uh, w- that we've already mentioned. I thought that the uh, the tag team match was probably the match of the night between yep. the New Day and uh, the Street Profits. I thought they put on a fantastic show 
in that first hour. And in fact, while we were sitting here, I was talking to Amy and I can't remember a bad new day match. Um, unfortunately, 24 hours later, they actually had a bad match with the hurt, hurt business. So I felt like I cursed them with that <laughs> <laughs> at the same time. Um, the, during the Oscar and, um, Sasha Banks match, I can't remember the last time Sasha looked that good in the ring. Like yeah. it was a submission kind of ground game. And the first minute or so of that match was really good. I thought the last couple of minutes of the main event between Drew McIntyre and Roman Reigns actually delivered. It was a match I was not very interested in until you hit that kind of last, that third act of the match. And sure. there were a bunch of false finishes. And I was like, God damn, what's it going to take yeah. to uh, for one of these guys to put the other one away? But that's like literally it, right? Right. Yeah, that 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 was the whole show, except for the elimination tag matches, which weren't even worth watching. But I, I will say that they did protect yeah. Drew. Um, you know, even in a loss, Drew looked very strong on on Survivor Series, which is, I, I think, one of the things that I was concerned about, especially um, having just put the belt right. back on him uh, and and not knowing what those long term plans are. Uh, I thought he, you know, if he went out there and looked like a jobber that that would not speak very well of raw as a brand. And I thought even in the loss, they gave him enough outs that, um, you know, he still looked, but again, strong. that all goes away because there's no stakes. I mean, they didn't even have a, a, a track. Totally. Yeah. That's right. why I didn't give a Which shit about they the didn't match. have a tracker of like, they have in the past of, Oh, raws up two to one heading into this match. Like at least give us that, you know, okay. There's something, that, I mean, granted, yes, building, they, no one cared about representing their brand, but at least for the event, it would have given us something to, you know, for the match to be about, and there was nothing there. No, they should have, they, again, I, I said it last week, I'll say it again, they should have just gone yeah. face-heel dynamic, and that would have made... Uh, uh, all all of the sense. No, I think that's a, that's a great alternative to what we're getting, and... Let's be honest. WWE is bad right now. Uh, yeah. it, it's bad. Yeah. WWE is is specifically bad right now, including NXT. You know, NXT used to be the one bright spot of WWE, and I f find it almost unwatchable these days. For me, I'd say the bright spot of last weekend was the video package they put together set to Metallica's Now That We're Dead. Uh, because it made me realize when I came back in 2000, that was the thing that made me so excited was when they would do these video packages set to whatever song they'd licensed. And I haven't seen a good one in so long that to Agreed. see that one was just so cool. Yeah. And it also made me giggle that they would take the Undertaker gong and put it like every four beats throughout the first verse. It was great. I mean, and you're right, though, because there's so many from like 2000 to maybe 2004, maybe there's so many songs that when I hear now, a lot of, the, you know, a lot of them like rock songs, Metallica and such. You can't hear Creed's My Sacrifice without remembering those freaking WWE videos. And, and a lot of them you can go, oh, that was the theme song of this pay-per-view. Like you could put mm -hmm. it to the exact pay-per-view or a match or event, whatever. Like they still have theme songs for pay-per-views and they still try to do video packages, but it's not memorable or hypes up any event or match the way it used to. Except in the case of, of X7, WrestleMania X7, which will be forever linked with that shitty Limp Bizkit <laughs> song, which is, I think, actually a deterrent. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, I, I can only think, 
I can only ever think of WrestleMania X7 and go, yeah, like, fuck, this I time hate Fred Durst. I hate out. him so f- <laughs> Don't do that. Don't, don't, don't. Every once in a while, when they pick a really stinker of a song, it's just, it's tough to But tough you can still overlook. link that song specifically to that pay-per-view. That's no longer a thing. Like, you bring up a song now, and you could have told me it was a theme song to WrestleMania two years ago, and I would have never known that. Yeah, That's sort of like going back and watching some of the NXT takeovers and realizing that they had licensed Judas as the theme song for one of the takeovers long before Chris Jericho was using it as a, as an entrance. And it's like, Hmm, maybe, maybe this doesn't always work out for them. You know, I'm glad we're talking about theme songs because just this past weekend, uh, the WWE put up uncaged 14 on the streaming services. And there's like, there's 50 something tracks in this thing, 53 songs. But it's funny because some of the songs for people that are no longer there aren't labeled for them. Like for instance, the second or third song is for survivor series, 2002 holla. If you hear me, it's Scott Steiner's theme. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, but they'll never, they, they will never print Scott Steiner's name on a piece of WWE merchandise from now until the end of time. Because what that, that's when Steiner made his (laughs) debut at WWE, right? Yeah, exactly. Wow. The Billy and Chuck Chuck theme song from 2004 is just called Fashion Icons. It has no mention of Billy Gunn. (laughs) And the. Of course not. He works for the competition. The theme song for the Road Warriors, uh, Oh, What a Rush, is just listed as WrestleMania 14. Okay, that's That's pretty egregious. Disrespectful. Yeah, it's it's fascinating the way these. uh, Because some of them are specifically. There's four versions of the Undertaker theme, which is ridiculous. There's. There's three versions of the Stone Cold theme. Two of them are from when he was in the Alliance, and there's like almost no difference between the two of them. <laughs> there's an extra guitar part. <laughs> but that's two different tracks. We want to say we have right. 53 songs, damn it. Separated by about 13 or 14 other songs. Right. Like, you know, in a half an hour, you won't remember that you just heard this. <laughs> But hey, at least you get Bob Sparkplug Holly's theme, the Mexicals, and Mill Mexicals. Right. Did you say the Mexicals? <laughs> the Mexicals theme is in there. I did. Oh, yeah, God. so uh, so that's fun. So yeah, none of us were super fans of Survivor Series, but you're rude today. I anti like. Are you not a fan of the Undertaker? Are you anti-Undertaker? Fuck that guy. <laughs> well, no, because I, I say that because there was definitely... I was not a fan of the Undertaker. There was... Undertaker was good. The return was... Because people loved the look and the, the music and the whatever of the American Badass character. That character didn't really do much for him in that two years that he was at. Because he didn't become relevant again at least in the main event storyline until he turned into fucking what big evil and you know went heel for a little bit there again not to bring up limp biscuit but he was entering to rolling (laughs) which (laughs) just no i i can i like we're not anti-Undertaker, but he's anti-Limp yeah, Bizkit, okay? For sure. 100%. 100%. No, I, I, I mean, I always liked the Taker gimmick, but, like, I, I did drop out around the time of, like, you know, American Badass and Biker Taker. and Because, I, I, you know, like, a lot of it I, I just couldn't take seriously <laughs> anymore. And, and 
post attitude era started to get really, really bad. And, and even some of the attitude era, I was just not a fan of, but you know, I, I think the guy had, uh, an amazing career. And when I came back to wrestling, it, it was post the streak ending. So it felt like the bloom was off the rose with the undertaker and we were kind of watching the last little bit of his career. So I never really got the, you know, dominant or even, you know, the annual, um, WrestleMania taker, uh, to, to really enjoy. So, yeah, I, I felt like early on in my, in my wrestling watching, uh, life, you know, he was like really cool gimmick and, and, and always his matches were, except for maybe giant Gonzalez were, were usually pretty good. Um, and yeah, it's just kind of, it, it's, uh, it, it's, it's impressive that he was around as long as he was, that they got as much out of them, uh, out of him as they did. I think the hardest thing has been saying goodbye to him, not just from, you know, Mark Calloway, the person and what he does next. But I think WWE <laughs> as an organization has really had a hard time not coming back to Mark and going, can we please get one more out of you? You know, it's going to be really interesting to see how the company uh, moves forward from this point on. Well, what I wanted to uh, go around the room and ask you guys is, do you have a personal highlight uh, to The Undertaker's career? And do you have something that maybe you think is absolutely a low light? Uh, I'll start in that, uh, obviously, I'm probably the only one in the room who really enjoyed The American Badass Undertaker. Uh, I liked that he got to deliver his own promos and you got a little bit more of the uh, character from the man himself instead of having someone like Paul Bearer or Brother Love talk for him. But he had a match with Brock Lesnar that was a hell in a cell that was really brutal and really interesting to watch. And uh, I, I really appreciated that match. But at the same time, during that run, he also had the um, concrete crypt match with the Dudley boys where they had to find some way to bullshit, pouring a bunch of concrete on Paul Bearer yeah. and murdering him. Yeah. And I don't think that worked out very well at all. No. That's it. No, that was bad. Um, I don't know about a low light other than the obvious, you know, the last few years. Again, what Nate just mentioned, it's not really on him because they're WWE's kind of forcing him to come back because they could have easily just said, as you know, especially after losing to Roman at Mania, all right, that's it. But they keep going back to him. And uh, so, I mean, other than that, I really, I mean, Paul Bear, the cement thing was really bad. The highlight for me personally was. And what the end of 03 into 04, when he brought back the, you know, the nineties gimmick of the undertaker, at least the, you know, the, that version of it, um, that, that build to when he was haunting Kane for a few months there, that was so good. Yeah, that was so good. And that return at WrestleMania 20, that was, that was big for me because I, I didn't see that old gimmick live cause I didn't start watching wrestling until the year 2000. So he was, you know, biker taker by then. So for me, that was my first taste of it live at least without like highlights or watching old wrestling. And I was all for it. That was creeping me out. Um, I wasn't that old at the time. So yes, that did creep me out, which made it even more exciting for me. So yeah, that was probably the highlight for me. I think low light definitely has to be Saudi Arabia. That was just, it was, it was hard to watch. Um, I don't think that there's any other way to put that highlight for me isn't even one that really involves the undertaker. When I was just starting to get back into wrestling, one of the things that helped me get back into it 
was I had done an interview with uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't shout him out, but I'm going to anyway, uh, with Xavier Woods. And he had, he had invited us to come to a raw taping that was in Detroit in a couple of weeks. And the tickets that he got us was, and I'm going to use this term uh, liberally because I'm, I have no proof. I have no actual proof that this is true, but we were sat in a row of extremely attractive women. So I think we got sat in the rat section and <laughs> the girl, the girl that I sat next to, we ended up striking up a conversation and when takers it, like his theme didn't hit because they were, they were teasing John Cena and Undertaker at WrestleMania at that point, but the gong hit. And when the gong hit, me and this woman were in each other's arms, just going, Yeah, Undertaker, yeah. <laughs> and it was fucking awesome. It was, it was like, you know, like when like half of wrestling is being there live, right? Like, I don't know that anyone who has only watched wrestling on television can fully really get like the feeling of a massive nuclear pop, right? Like there's only so much that that translates. And it was cool having, uh, you know, like a collective experience. Um, and it was, it was brought on by takers gong. It was really cool. I think for me, if we're, if we're, let's just start off with the low lights, if you will, um, hanging big boss, man, not great. Oh yeah. Yep. I mean, Let's let lest we forget that that happened. There was a hanging, and then we at WrestleMania, right? At WrestleMania, yeah. And then we were just expected to move on, tra la la la, and just they'd be like, "Yeah, that happens. This is what happens. It's a show." Um, I I feel. I mean, it's hard to pick specifically one highlight though, um, because I feel like the Undertaker as a whole, as a character as as an experience if i may as just as a theatrical moment because it is it is the gong it is the it is the theme song it is the the slow walk it is it is the lights it is the whole shebang it's it is all the things that a hologram can do <laughs> that is very true that is very true um it's it's everything that we love about wrestling. It's buying into something that is beyond reality, uh, Titian. And we all went, yep, he is. And we're going to watch this for three decades. And we did. And it's everything. And we're never going to have a character like that ever again. Um, uh, ever. Like, I feel like just, I mean, with, with kayfabe being what it is, um, it, we're just never going to have a character like that. Sure, we have glimpses of it with somebody like the Fiend, but with the dawn of social media, these these wrestlers, these athletes are now people. Um, I think social media has basically effectively killed kayfabe altogether, and we're we're just we're just never going to have anything like this ever again. Um, I would like to say before moving on to Shawnee, um, we ke we kept saying that. You know, the WWE kept calling him back, calling him back. Vince McMahon called him back. It wasn't the company. Yeah. Vince McMahon couldn't let go. What's what's the difference it's, at this point? There is no difference at this point. 
I know there is no difference, but I feel like we should just be blatantly clear. And it's like, no, this old man couldn't let go of his greatest creation, this WrestleMania, and he has to let go. And I hope he does. Which was made perfectly clear by him sobbing in the middle of the ring. I mean, it's as close as Vince McMahon with all of the facial work and makeup could possibly get to crying or sobbing in the middle of the ring. But yeah, like it's but at the same time, Vince McMahon is WWE effectively. You know, there's no one there that that will challenge or question a decision from him. It's okay. Let's figure out how to do it. Yeah. There was a match and I think probably 1994, maybe 1995. And I don't know if it was a SummerSlam or a smaller pay-per-view, but it was uh, the first time I saw the undertaker versus big daddy, cool diesel. And I did not understand. I had not, I had never really contemplated two big men doing such uh, what seemed like at that time, acrobatic moves, right? I still didn't have this understanding of, of the carnival show that is professional wrestling. And uh, that match just always sticks out to me because I remember having that sense of real awe, right? Like there, the, a, a moment way back in the day when, when, uh, when I was like it, lost in the moment of the thing and it wasn't professional wrestling and, and dissecting it like I do now, but it was just uh, what are those two uh, large men doing? Um, you know, the rope walking and things like that. So um, I was always an Undertaker fan right from the start. That's the, I think that was a year or so that I was watching wrestling. It feel, I feel like I dropped in maybe like five or six times in my life, but probably only for like a month or two. I'm like a fucking goldfish. <laughs> and uh, But I, I remember loving um, the introduction of The Undertaker. And I think I probably watched around to the beginning when Mankind came around. And at that point, I got really excited by the thing but nobody else around me gave a fuck. So I just drifted away from it. Yeah. And I have to say that was probably one of the two is that the hashtag thank was, was online and that was kind of, eh. but seeing all the spooky bullshit wrestlers that wrestle now that I don't think we would have today. You've got, you know, the Rosemary's and the Abaddon's over in AEW and uh, you know, everybody kind of paying their homage to the fact that like, yeah, I wouldn't be, the person you see, I think even Danhausen possibly had a thank you taker tweet. <laughs> I would think so. I mean, there's a lot of uh, horror character aspect to what Danhausen's trying to do. Well, that was that was Survivor Series, and obviously uh, talking about the Undertaker. Let's talk about what happened for the rest of the week. I felt that uh, we can quickly scan over anything you guys don't want to discuss, but I felt like Monday Night Raw was very lackluster for a show after a pay-per-view uh obviously i'm just tuning into my three-hour show for my spooky bullshit my five minutes of the fiend and alexa bliss but i do enjoy where that's headed Uh, yeah i mean it's a weekly thing where that's almost the only bright spot or closest thing to a bright spot that raw has uh each week and it's funny because when the draft or the shake up whatever the hell they called it happened right we thought you know, with the superstars that got drafted over to Raw and the storylines that got drafted over to Raw, that it would instantly, oh, Raw's going to be a little better now. And there was a couple weeks of that, and now we've just gone right back to it. And it's, it's just, again, it's laziness, and it's, like you said, it's lackluster. My thing from all of it is we're doing the exact same thing in the WWE title picture that we did two or three months ago. 
We're going to have three matches, and then we're going to have a triple threat next week to find out who's going to be the number one contender. The exact same thing we did two or three months ago when Randy Orton first got thrown into the title picture. Now you're repeating within the same year on the same show with the same champion. It is so bad. Uh, I will say for SmackDown, at least Roman was, you know, the Roman Uso with KO involved. Now I'm, I'm liking that. I like that. Again, the Roman character is still probably one of the very few bright spots of SmackDown now. And that's the thing. They've distributed the bullshit to both shows, it seems like. Because it used to be SmackDown. Oh, yeah, that's the entertaining show and Raw is whatever. Now they're equally bad with maybe one or two bright spots on each because of the draft. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about the title picture booking just yet, um, mostly because it would be interesting if Keith Lee got a shot. But like, I don't how realistic is that? How realistic is it to hope for something like that at this point? But taking Drew and moving him away from Orton, I think, is is a really good move right now. And moving Orton towards the Fiend is also something that I'm really interested in. So while the title picture is like, you know, there's there's a few variables and there's a few different ways that it could end up going. I think, yeah, the most interesting thing on the show is is Alexa and the Fiend and uh, what that is going to end up uh, developing into. Um, I'm just going to say, you know, I said it on Twitter and I'll say it here, too, because I think it's a it's a necessary statement and it's something that needs to be said. Fuck Friendship Frog. I thought he was a shitty character and I'm <laughs> glad he's dead. Nate the hate, everybody. <laughs> Damn. Oh my God. Damn. I, Just a frog, man. I mean, I will no, s- fuck him. <laughs> fuck him. I will say, you know, adding to what Nate just said uh, a while ago, when it looked like the fiend was going after Orton and the title, I, I was saying, keep the fiend away from the title. They found a way to still give us the fiend and Randy Orton without the title involved. Cause again, I don't want the fiend around the title right now. So they did found, find a way to do that. And I like that. I, I am looking forward to see where that goes. The thing that I'm worried about is one of my least favorite matches since I started watching wrestling again was Bray Wyatt, Randy Orton, where they had the projections onto the ring. That made me want to go, fuck, fuck this. I don't want to watch any more of this. And I almost tapped out at that point. So I'm a, I'm a bit concerned from a creative standpoint where this is going at the same time, though. I do think that Randy and Bray are wonderful in-ring performers and could make something really cool here if they don't, I don't know, astral project maggots onto the ring. Like, what is that supposed to do? My problem is that unless they make the show uh, three hours about The Fiend, I'm going to just have to get the storyline from the packages during pay-per-views because this is awful. It is not worth three hours of my time every week. Uh, the whole format needs to change. I don't even at this point. I don't even know that storyline changes would would save me. They have pushed so hard against uh, a, a decent product offerings that uh, I'm just I'm just tapped out on Raw. Just tapped out. I think Raw going back to two hours would would fix a lot of it because they would be forced to get shit in within two hours. I think that they're so lazy 
with the three hour format because matches can drag on. They have more time to throw in bullshit. It, it, they would be forced to focus on what matters, focus on the bigger names, focus on the more important storylines, and the matches would be forced to kind of pick up a little bit. I think that would at least improve Raw a little bit. It's not going to fix anything because the stories are what they are, and they're still bad for the most part, except for you know The Fiend. So I, I, I think that's a start. Yeah, and what in the world was up with the, the Hurt Business losing a match and then them restarting it? That, that, that was a botch. That was a botch. That was for sure a botch. So the story that I heard was that the Hurt Business was supposed to win via countout and that because I think it was Kofi and I can't remember if it was Cedric or Shelton um, where it got caught up fighting on the outside. The ref just shot and and counted them both out. And that's why you had that that weird improvised MP MVP thing where he's like, if you have any guts, you'll restart this match right now. And and that's how we got the finish that we did. That's so silly. I like that Xavier outside the ring was totally playing into it and being like, oh, we just beat you. We don't have to have another match. <laughs> yeah, I, I was I was kind of hoping that that's like that sort of to me, because the, the, a new day heel turn without Biggie could be really interesting. And that's what I thought they were going for. Right. Like, because that's a that's a heel move. Right. Like you guys lost. We just gave you a match. Fuck you. Um, you know, that's that's definitely a, a heel move. So I got kind of excited there for a minute. And then when it restarted, I was like, oh, no, fu- something fucked up. I will say on the bright side, uh, the the character work on the on the face of Alexa Bliss during her match with Nikki Cross, who has new entrance music. How cool is that? Oh, yeah. Uh, the, the finish of that match was phenomenal. It's not good. Her, her entrance, her new entrance music isn't good, though. Survivor Series, Keith Lee got new entrance music, and I am much, much, much higher on that than I was uh, than I was his kind of generic metal intro. I can't believe we've talked about Raw this much. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about something good. They had Wrestlers Court on Impact Wrestling. That was hilarious. Oh my god! Actually, that was really funny. That was that was. Here's the thing. All right, so I'm in Shawnee's camp as far as Raw goes. It's three hours. It's too goddamn long. They're never going to reduce it to two hours again, just based on like contracts and I'm sure the ad revenue and all that shit. I just the the more I watch Impact and the the sillier it gets, and at least it's fun. At least I know I'm not going to like I know what I'm getting into with Raw. It's just like they're just serving me up heartbreak upon heartbreak. And impact is at least like, fuck it, we're going to be just weird and do whatever we want and maybe not even make much sense. I can at least uh, like appreciate that sort of like forthcoming, like, sure. look, you know what you know what this is. You know we're only working with a couple hundred dollars, so guess what? The phenomenal one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, we're going to put this together with scotch tape and a prayer and see what happens. Raw should be the best goddamn program always because it's raw and it's it continues to disappoint so it's like until you give me something to watch yeah i'm just gonna watch youtube videos of highlights why wait it's three it's three hours is a long ass time if someone's like speaking of weird ass shit has anyone watched the uh bizarre bizarro lucha bizarro uh, video i shared no no. i haven't yet it's got no Everything that you described from it sounds. It's got Danhausen in it. It's got uh, it's got people in giant fucking heads. Um, 
You're it's not got, selling me. It's got, a, it's got a character that is a, um, a basically a, a fighting uh, Chinese food takeout container. Uh, it was absolutely fantastic. Fantastic. I'm gonna make, but I'm I mean, make this a uh, priority as soon as we're done recording. But here's here's the thing. Here's the thing. Wasn't that sort of the appeal of of GCW back in the day too? Was you know you had these sort of like smaller promotions that are like, yeah, we're going to do whatever the fuck we want. Nothing means anything. It doesn't have to make sense. You're not going to be here next week. So fuck you. Um, you know, and that was kind of refreshing up against the, uh, the, the sort of like drudgery that could be SmackDown or raw, or that was these, you know, monolithic corporations that were pumping out and churning out matches and content. So yeah, let's, Let's, you know, make it goofy and indie-rific and have a bunch of chain moves. And and that's what GCW was for a while. And I think that, you know, if you're down the pecking order, if you're an impact, if you're a, a, a ring of honor, um, you can get away with a certain amount of that. What's, what's weird, though, is having AEW kind of play direct competition to WWE and yet retaining so much of that sort of gcw indie rific mentality that i don't think translates as well um in in you know daily's place and on tnt than it did with a fan cam and a pole barn um you know and and maybe that's just me but you know you start to see the holes in the moves and the chains and and the fucking uh you know the the moves one into another um uh, the the in-ring product takes a bit of a hit once you have seven cameras that are placed around it and are switching in real time and don't have the benefit of editing a lot of these videos afterwards. It's the same thing that ECW figured out in, in the, you know, like when they were going through their growing pains. Uh, you know, I it's, it's tough, I, but here's the thing. Um, None of what you guys described is 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 uh, going to get me to watch Impact at all. None of what you described is going to get me to watch. I don't know what the fuck you called it, Shawnee, but I'm not going to watch that either. Um, (laughs) You know, my 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 expectations, though, for the top two companies in the United States is I want it to be more than indie riffic. I want you to do more than just tickle you and your friends have the match that the audience wants and not the match that you want. And unfortunately, that's what, uh, you know, WWE is pretty good about their in-ring work, but a, a, a lot of AEW's matches come off to me that way. I agree with what Erica said and how she explained impact and why they are the way they are. And you're getting what really you're like, this is what we're giving you. We didn't tell you we're giving you anything else. So I, I agree with that. And I do respect that. That's not what I'm watching wrestling for. So no, I, it, it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't get me to tune in either, but I, I do see your point and I respect that and I get it. Uh, but no, I I'm, I'm looking for wrestling for some storytelling, some good matches, I want it all to make. I want it to make a little more sense. Um, take it a little bit more seriously, and uh, obviously, we're struggling honestly with the top two companies with that. But uh, if you're purposely being silly, I'm not going to watch. I'll keep tabs and see what's going on, but I'm not going to watch. I'm always fascinated by this idea that, and I'm, I understand that. Like I'm on the wrong side of history with this. I'm I'm the outlier, but this idea that. I want to go to see wrestling to be fooled into believing that I'm watching something that's real. 
I show up always knowing from the very start that none of it's real. So uh, when like the chain wrestling is a little sloppy, if everything else is working for me, I don't care because I'm not pulled out of the reality that I'm putting myself into. I know it's all Mm -hmm. choreographed. Like I I never lose sight of that. That, That's never a question to me. And when I listen to you and Nate complain about the silly stuff, it feels to me like you're saying, I want to be fooled, God damn it. And when the when the, the veil is pulled away, then I realize that I'm doing something incredibly stupid watching a bunch of clowns put on a circus show. There's a, a very big difference between a match like Walter and Ilya Dragunov had a couple of weeks ago on NXT UK and a fucking Ricochet match. And that's not a, that's not a knock against Ricochet, but. He, you know, he does a lot of flips and they're very good and he's excellent at executing them. But, you know, if you're going to ask me which match was better or maybe even the best of the year, it's going to be fucking Walter and Ilya every fucking time because they laid the shit in. They made it look good. And it doesn't matter if I know that it's bullshit. It's how well are you performing it? Are you winking at the camera and going, yeah, we know that this is all bullshit. So we're going to, you know, we're going to tell you that it's all bullshit, too. That's what I can't fucking stand. That little wink and nod like none of this means anything anyway. Right. You know, like, why am I then? Why am I as a viewer wasting my fucking time? If you're not going to take it remotely seriously, why should I? And then at that point, I'm, you know what? I don't watch wrestling for comedy. I watch comedy for comedy because comedy in wrestling is rarely done. Well, BTE is maybe there. Yeah. Being the elite is maybe the best example of that. They're trying to do sketch comedy and they suck at it and no one will tell them, please don't do this anymore. And, and I don't, I I mean, fine. Maybe I don't find it funny, but, it re- like like as I dude, I've been on stage. I've done stand up. I've done fucking improv. I've I've been a part of sketch comedy before. None of that shit is funny. Sorry, sorry. I I think I have a measure of uh, of of uh you know something you know something to bring to that. But yeah, no wrestling comedy isn't fucking funny. Orange Cassidy is the greatest professional wrestler of his generation. <laughs> That's fine. It, I don't laugh at him. I tolerate him at the at most. I think what we have to keep in mind here um, is one we're dealing with. I I feel like it's very much Shawnee and in me versus Nate and Justin on this, <laughs> and no one's going to win. But I feel like it's it's the greatest example of wrestling being able to literally be anything. And I think that's what makes it so great. Um, there isn't one kind. There shouldn't be just one kind. Yeah, And I feel like when you look at something like AEW, I feel like they are making efforts to at least try. There is an effort to give a little bit of something for everyone's taste there. Um, is Is everyone going to be happy with Everything in the show? Probably not. But there's probably going to be one moment on Dynamite every week that you're going to go, that was that was kick-ass. That was great. And it, it does just kind of go down to everyone's various uh, tastes when it comes to wrestling, which, once again, they vary because wrestling can be anything. And I think that is fucking beautiful. Yeah, suck it. I think there's different flavors of wrestling, and all of us are 
have different tastes when it comes to what we look for in wrestling. And, and, you know, you can hear just in in the conversation of our show, how certain people are are here for one thing, but then certain people are here for a completely different thing. But at the end of the day, I think you're right, Erica, the fact that uh, wrestling can be anything is what draws us all together and uh, makes it fun. I'm glad you guys brought up AEW because I completely missed AEW this week. Give me some of the highlights. What did I miss? It was a good one this week. Uh, that match uh, that, that kicked off the show between Paige and Silver I thought was outstanding. Mm-hmm. Uh, did I, Who else watched AEW this week? Anyone? I did me? watch it. I watched your rule the day. Tag teams or... Um, you know, stables, yes. I, you know, like if it's a big stable like NWO or DX, like I, I dig that. But, you know, kind of these three man teams that are are starting to uh, evolve in AEW. Um, maybe it's just the the performers who are involved, but I am super invested uh, with uh, what's going on with uh, with Team Taz and with uh, the, the family. I think it's it's all fantastic. I think with uh, I agree with the stables that are in AEW right now. That's a highlight for me. I think Moxley Omega. That's a highlight for me. Um, so there is a lot more in AEW that I am liking than there is if you weigh out from what I'm watching on Raw and SmackDown to AEW. And it's weird because AEW has just two hours to put it on. WWE has five hours. Yet there's a lot, a lot more that I'm liking in AEW than there is in WWE. Um, I was very confused that maybe, you know, the hardcore AEW fans can explain it a little better to me. Um, and again, it, it gets confusing with the storytelling at times. And the main storytelling that we, the storylines we brought up are good. The more minor ones, number one, weren't the Young Bucks kind of going heel there for a minute? Like going into their title match with FTR and. I think they put the brakes on that which is because uh, it just, it wasn't, it wasn't translating at all. So it was weird because you have them heal. They have them kicking interviewers and this, that, whatever. Right. And then they're saving. They, they pull a, a complete face move on AEW this week, saving a tag team from a beatdown. So you have that, which was confusing for me. Um, and then another thing is, is Matt Hardy heel now? Because if you watched AEW this week, that was a heel promo. Your pedestrian issues, when you do with those, just think, what would Matt do? That's a heel promo. And if it if it's not intended to be healed, then that's what makes it bad. And if it's heel, why is he heel? Again, I know not everyone comes for a storyline and not everything needs to make sense, but at least make sense of it. If the Young Bucks as a heel turn didn't make sense, then somewhere within the storyline explain to me why all of a sudden they're not dicks anymore and they're actually helping people. And if Matt Hardy is all of a sudden heel, explain to me why all of a sudden he's talking down to the public after coming out and saying thank you to everybody, what, two months ago in a sob story segment in the ring. I absolutely think the next time we see Matt Hardy, we're going to see a rebranded Matt Hardy in some capacity. I think that he yes. was cracking the ice with that. I do think that the Yep, that the Bucks is just a little sloppier. Uh, I was listening to an interview with Chris Jericho today, and uh, maybe I was reading an article. Um, but it was essentially he he was shooting on the fact that 
uh, son of a bitch, um, was a MJF in or out kind of thing. And then the, the other story was going on uh, probably with the family. Right. right? And he, his point was that they have no story coordination whatsoever at AEW, and I think that's been a great strength of the show. But his point was, hey, look, you know, we're going to come off as rinky-dink if we don't have some kind of coordination. It's awesome that everyone gets to do their own thing, but it's not like ed- – it's editorial laziness in not avoiding having two different um, – stories that are essentially identical at the same time it's not you know stepping on creativity so i think we might see some shifting of that going forward um when you have a voice as big as jericho saying that i have a feeling that it's it's going to cause some change he was calling for a story coordinator uh basically as like a role for someone in the company to to fill um and yeah it was uh it was the story with will hobbs will he won't he with um with uh, team taz and and literally and he made a really good point those two segments came one after another in the show you can do shit like that but it's got to be tent-pulled it's got to be the opening of the show and then the other one is the closing and then you've got to wrap them up in di- you've got to stagger when you wrap them up so it doesn't look like the two are playing out concurrently and i think that that was actually very smart on his point that's very observant uh for chris jericho a little bit more than I would give him credit for. Um, but uh, he's he's absolutely right. And I do think the Bucks were calling the shots towards that that uh, rivalry with FTR. Um, that was their story beats because it didn't make any sense. I, I, I you know, who else was going to come up with that? The, in, in absence of a booker, you have to assume that the storylines that are being told on AEW are a result of the wrestlers themselves or possibly the EVPs. I don't think that there's much evidence that Tony Khan has much, uh, you know, he can balance the scales or tip the balance uh, one way or the other, but I don't think that there's much evidence of him doing a lot of the creative heavy lifting over on that show. It does seem like a mishmash of a whole bunch of different stuff. Not that that is necessarily a criticism, but I do think that, yeah, a story coordinator to help things go in one direction and making sure that you're not stepping on other people's toes would be very helpful as long as it doesn't flesh out into a bigger creative department, much like WWE does, because I think that has as many drawbacks as we see with the WWE product that just sort of throwing throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks is doing with AEW. There is some efficacy to allowing the talent to kind of call their own shots. That being said, absolutely, the Bucks storytelling is the weakest thing in AEW right now outside of Jade Cargill's promos. I would like to see a bit more of a cohesive product out of AEW. That and again, all of that said, that doesn't mean that the 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 storylines that they're coming up with are bad. There are some great, great points to AEW right now. As far as the young bucks go with the whole heel turn or or whatever, my hunch to that would be you just dropped a book and perhaps it's hard to promote a book when you're being douchebags. Or it could be a good thing. I don't know. It's the only thing I could really think of to why or you know, they suddenly switched from super kicking everybody 
in the free world to all of a sudden being guys that came in to help top flight at the end of their match. Point two, they've gotten better at this, but they still lean on the fact that they bring in elements from BTE into the Dynamite show, um, and they don't really acknowledge that. They just kind of you know leave it out there. And if you watch BTE like I do, like you get it. But but if you don't, you're going, what the fuck was that about? Like, there was the whole thing with, um, I think it was shortly after Brody Lee won the TNT championship, you had all of the lawnmowers on the stage. That was a callback to a joke on BTE. And I'm sure, once again, I understood it because I watched that program. Uh, but I, I'm not certain that the rest of you follow it as religiously as I do. So you were probably like, what's with all the lawnmowers? So while they have gotten better with not calling on BT as much, um, they still, it's still definitely a weakness in the programming. Um, it's getting better, which is good, but uh, it, it's still, I think, an issue. I think it says a lot that they don't promote BTE at all between Dynamite and Dark, that they almost treat it as two entirely separate universes i mean look at the depiction of the dark order between bte and and what they do on an actual wrestling product i i just i think it i think it speaks volumes that that there's there's literally no promotion that goes that that goes into something like that i don't know why they they don't promote bte on dynamite because without bte and that success Dynamite and AEW in general wouldn't have been a thing. Um, I feel like they're allowing the Dark Order to be a little bit more goofy on Dynamite, which I think is great because the stuff that they're doing on BTE is funny. Like John Silver is amazing and I love him and he seems goddamn delightful. And if like I learned like he ended up being an actual dick, I would be heartbroken because he is so goddamn entertaining. Um, and I, I'm glad that they're kind of realizing like, okay, let's, let's have dark order kind of be, I mean, once again, I like a little bit of comedy, Nate, it's probably going to rub you the wrong way. And that's fine. You have the right to however you feel about, comedy and wrestling but like i like that shit like the dark order in in itself is kind of weird uh and it should be a little silly it's it's supposed to be a cult we can't take cults seriously stop it i'd like to know what's happening with Brody lee at the moment we haven't seen him since the loss uh since losing the tnt belt and there has been almost no mentions of him i mean i know he did a uh, he appeared on the AEW podcast. Um, but otherwise I feel like we have barely seen or heard from him at all. Um, so I'm, I'm curious if they've taken him off TV for a gimmick change or update or what the narrative reason for, uh, taking him off TV is. Isn't the last time he was around was for that fucking Texas actually- chain murder match. Yeah, where where he lost? That's where he didn't well, he lose the Well, I guess the, the explanation there? would be that he was ex- injured in the murder match. <laughs> I think I think that's what they're going with. Uh, if I remember right, I think it was it wasn't a big mention, but it was a quick mention by somebody. I don't know if it was the announced team or what it was, but that he was dealing with an injury. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. 
like he, he he's he's battling an injury due to that. It was that no, it was that dog collar match. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's what he with was Cody. In, yeah, with yeah, Cody. Somebody yeah. So and and that, we were wearing a dog collar and a wrestling match. Who would have thought? Insane. Well, as we wrap up uh, this week's One Fall show, uh, we are on the tail end of what is the Thanksgiving weekend in America. And I just kind of wanted to go around the room and ask, uh, can you guys think of something? uh, Wrestling, obviously, in 2020, like a lot of things, has been very difficult and very odd in compared to what we're used to. Can you think of anything that's gone on this year that maybe you're thankful for as far as uh, professional wrestling is concerned in 2020? Eddie Kingston becoming a mainstream name in wrestling is something that I'm, I'm really thankful for. Uh, he has, he has been consistently a bright spot on dynamite, whether he's in the ring, whether he's on commentary or whether he's just doing one of his, uh, amazing promos. But you know, the fact that that guy nearly, uh, retired from wrestling and, and, you know, didn't, you know, have any idea that he was going to be given an opportunity like that and, and still persevered through it. That's something that I'm, I'm pretty thankful for in wrestling. First of all, all the companies finding a way to put on the show. Yes. We, we complain a lot about it and there's a lot to complain about, but it would have been really easy at any point this year to just say, you know what? We need to shut down operation for X amount of time and nobody Outside, of, I know New Japan did for a while there, but most of nobody did that. Everyone found a way to make it happen. So kudos to that specifically in the storyline. I know I'm probably taking Chucks, but Alexa Bliss with The Fiend. And I, I say that specifically, not just because it's good, it's entertaining, it's the most entertaining thing in WWE, but I really think Alexa Bliss is doing what she wants to do. This is her. This is her like love in real life. She always showed signs of it when she was a heel and throughout her WWE run with her her uh, outfits and her ring gear and even some promos here and there. She's really doing what she wants to do, diving into to a, almost like a Disney villain character while also wrestling still. And you know she's a Disney lover anyway. So I'm thankful for that because it is gold. It really is. Yeah, that was what I was going to say. And I agree. Like, I think it adds a lot to not only Alexa Bliss, but to what The Fiend is doing. And and I'm always excited to see where it's headed next. The Iron Sheik's Twitter. It's great. I love it. I'm thankful for it. When I'm scrolling through and seeing just terrible news happening day in and day out, and then all of a sudden I see Sheiky Baby tweet out, fuck the Monday. I'm like, yeah, man, you got it. How disappointing would it be to find out that that's not actually the Iron Sheik, that he's got like a team that puts those together? Have you watched the documentary? I don't care. I don't care if it's Dave. Those guys. (laughs) (laughs) But it's awesome. I love Happy Thanksgiving to everybody except fuck the Hulk Hogan. It's fantastic. (laughs) Right. Right. Well, seeing as Justin took mine, I do have another one, and that is I am very thankful that both Jey Uso and Big E are getting something of a singles push because I think they both deserve it. I think they're both... uh, You see a lot with tag team wrestlers that the only thing holding them back is they don't necessarily have the cardio to you know put on a 20, 30, 45-minute match, and I think it's great to see. We got to see Kofi do it a couple years ago when they gave him the title. Uh, I think Xavier is just as uh, Xavier and Jimmy Uso are probably just as qualified to uh, wrestle uh, as a singles competitor. And I'm happy to see that Biggie and Jey Uso have, have gotten opportunities like that. 
I've really, uh, I really am enjoying the fact that I've discovered Danhausen. Um, his Twitter is very entertaining to me. Uh, it has led me down a rabbit hole into some of the other things that are going on in indie wrestling during the pandemic or pr- just prior to the pandemic where I'd sort of lost sight of some of that. And so there's learning about these boutique wrestling uh, federations that you can find on YouTube is pretty fun. Uh, I'm really enjoying that process. I think that before the year is over, my favorite thing is going to be Kenta showing up at AEW. Yeah, that'll be fantastic. You have put a lot of faith in in that one thing panning out. <laughs> and I'm sure if it does, that announced team will not sell it one bit because they suck at that. <laughs> It'll be like when the Butcher and the Blade debut. Yeah, right. It'll just be Excalibur. Oh my God! It's the butcher and the blade. Who? I have <laughs> to say, it. I uh, every time I see them, I put all my energy into watching Butcher, and I'm like, he can't be the drizzling shits. That's so fucking disrespectful. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, this week, you know, I, uh, people who listen to uh, talk horror to me know that uh, I watch. So once a night, I watch either wrestling or horror movies with my buddy, uh, Elizabeth, who lives in Louisville, and we just text chat. And uh, I finally, I said, is, uh, is the butcher, is he really awful? And she's like, yeah, he's fucking terrible. <laughs> I don't think she said fucking he terrible, really but she was, she, she was like, yes. It, like, there's not even a question. There wasn't a debate. It was like, yeah, he's bad. <laughs> he's a bad at being a wrestling man. Yeah. And, and, and it's noticed. I mean, I listen, I get it. It's his second job, right? Like I know that he's in, what is it? Uh, I forget the, the band that he's in in a, in a hardcore band of some sort. Yes. I forget which band it is uh, between the buried and something, or uh, I don't know. Uh, but, um, yeah, he, uh, he's, he's not very good in the ring. It's good for him that he is a large imposing man that can grow some impressive facial hair and has all those tattoos because he'd look very, very awkward. Otherwise speaking of hardcore bands, I've been cleaning the, uh, the garage, which is where I record from. And I found these badass gloves here. Um, as you can see, there's uh, so these are probably from the mid two thousands. Um, got the uh, iron cross and the Mohawk skull, uh, very, um, very George Bush era. But I thought this would be sweet. I can show off the tattoos and I can wear these gloves because on the knuckles they say hardcore, which is, you know, fucking badass, right? Well, the problem is, is uh, I was cleaning this garage for about an hour and a half and uh, I only found the one glove. So uh, starting next week when we bring K-Fake back, I'm going to be uh, hard Shawnee Constant uh, until I find the other <laughs> glove. Yeah. Yeah. Andy Williams is the guitarist for Every Time I Die. There we go. That's going to do it for this week's One Fall Show. Uh, guys, thanks for hanging out tonight and talking about some wrestling as we do every week. It's always nice. Sometimes, you know, I'm, I know that probably a few of us go through on a Sunday afternoon. It's like, man, I got to record a podcast. I don't know. I, uh, it's just, uh, and then when, by the time I'm done hanging out with you guys, it's like I just got to hang, hang out with my friends for an hour and a half yep, or so. That's exactly. And I always appreciate it. This is uh, my mandatory weekly socialization, just so you yeah, know. Exactly. It's good for you, damn it. Nate, where can people find you online? 
You can find me at Nate Benderama, where I am being a hermit and not talking to people. So tweet me and say hi. Uh, also, I'm streaming uh, at uh, twitch.tv slash Limit Break Radio. Join us on Saturdays for the One Fall Show, Super Universe, a modded uh, WWE 2K19. It's a whole lot of fun. Uh, check out our latest episode that's up on YouTube. Just search uh, One Fall Show on YouTube. Yeah, and speaking of Super Universe mode, shout out to Will for demanding I get my return match with uh, Chad Gable this past week. And it was a squash. I appreciated it. Uh, Shawnee, where can people find you online? People can find me at the Talk Horror to Me podcast. They can find me at the One Fall Show Facebook group. And you can find me running the Facebook page and, more importantly, the Twitter uh, at One Fall Show, I believe. Uh, if not, then... Uh, Follow whoever that is, because they're most likely lovely people, too. <laughs> good plug, good plug. And uh, I'm Chuck Bean. You can find me on Twitch at twitch.tv backslash Chizuck, where uh, I play rock band on Sunday afternoons. You can find me Mondays through Fridays from 7 to midnight over on WRIF 101.1 FM in Detroit City. Thanks for downloading this week's episode of The One Fall Show. Make sure you subscribe, like, and uh, review us and follow us on the social media. Oh, Shawnee, plug the Patreon. Oh, yeah, it's uh, Shawnee Constant's uh, Bootleg Sticker Club. So far, the only sticker I have designed is uh, is the Heck Everything in Scoot sticker. I've got a few other ideas rolling around, but the spirit hasn't moved me yet. But I have until the uh, the end of uh, the season. I based uh, the sticker releases off of the rotation of the Earth and its positioning with the sun. Uh, it's very involved. I'll explain it elsewhere. Justin showing off the heck everything in Scoot in our chat right now. Thanks again for uh, downloading the One Fall Show. We will be back next week. Enjoy some wrestling, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. And cut. That went all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. fantastic. I uh, I saw a thing earlier on Facebook that was uh, Nazi pups heck off, and I was like, that's oh, no. pretty. That's pretty cool. I want that. Solid, solid. I I forgot to mention it during our Undertaker conversation, but I did see somebody had a picture on Facebook that was like the Undertaker in the first Super Nintendo, Nintendo WrestleMania game, and then the Undertaker in the most recent, you know, two K game. <laughs> like this is how long he's been wrestling. Yeah, <laughs> crazy. I would like to at some point. I'm thinking maybe in the middle of December inviting the next person over from the shoot show because they um, actually uh, Tyler had, you know, just did a real nice, like, Hey, I was on this podcast thing, but I want to go heal. They have a phone number apparently that you can call and I want to call and I want to mention the, I want to rant about the fact that our numbers didn't go up nearly as much as I thought they would. (laughs) And that I want the title back. So send over somebody who's got some pull from that organization. Send over this other dude. Um, that's, and, that's funny. I want to try to like start rocking the boat in their group on their show. I want to see if, if if I can create some uh, rivalry there just because I'm the devil. That's amazing. I love I it. I like it. I love it a lot.